You are listening to an exclusive on PodHub Network. Your city, your podcast. The delight of this crowd, McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw, the runner breaks to the plate, here's the throw, wow. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to Donardo's Dugout. I'm your host, Anthony Donardo. Welcome to this Tuesday. What is it? December 29th, 2001. Almost here. And um, I'm just going to get into it because there's a lot to talk about. The San Diego Padres has gifted us with uh, some holiday holiday presents. You can consider technically the, the second week of December was the winter meetings, but I'm officially dubbing this week the winter meetings, and the Padres have just kicked it off. Because man, oh man, I don't know if you've been sleeping under a rock, but the Padres are making moves. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. So as mentioned, <clears throat> let's go back. Let's go back to 2020, right? That, that crazy season in 2020 where the Padres looked fun. They started out the gate, looked pretty fun, right? Fernando Tatis hitting 3-0 grand slams, getting yelled at. They're pretty fun, but I think they seemed more of a fun story than a really, really good team. And that changed because they went out and they traded for Mike Clevenger from the Indians. All right. We talked about that haul. Tyler and I were kind of more in agreement where it seemed like it was a bunch of quantity over quality. You know, they yeah, they did get Carl Contrell, who was a who was a pretty good pitching prospect. You know, he was into the majors at that time. Um, but it seemed like a lot of meh players for like I mean a really, really good starting pitcher. Mike Clevenger is really, really good, right? So they went out and got the ace that they needed to now become a legitimate playoff team. Gave up a bunch of stuff, but when you look at the farm, very much intact, very much impactful players still there. And obviously, Mike Clevenger injuries crept up, as we know. He went under the knife to get Tommy John this offseason, and he's going to be off for 2021. Big blow. They went out, and albeit again, not, not that they give up their top prospects to get him, but they gave up a solid haul from their farm. Slash, you know, some major league ish type players to go get them. We're coming off a pandemic where everyone's screaming financial crisis season. And, you know, they, they have to build an excuse. You know, hey, we tried. He got injured. What are the Padres going to do this year? You know, and that's what I was, I was kind of wondering a bit. You know, were they going to do? They lost Clevenger. I mean, they still have Lamette, who was a very, very, very productive pitcher last year, albeit he was also down with some injuries. Um, they got Paddock, who had a fantastic 2019 debut. Last year wasn't good by any means, but there's still something there with him. They got really, really, really good pitching. You know, Gore, who's believed to be not just the best left-hander, but possibly the best pitching prospect in baseball. He got his call-up last year-ish. Not too many innings, but you know, I could see him making his debut. Like, you can slide him into the rotation this year. They got Patino 
who also didn't, you know, he, he made his debut last year as well in 2020. But, you know, also another very good pitcher, albeit Emily Pipeline had him, I think, 23, as we'll talk about in this trade. Uh, but, I mean, you had young pitching still. You had some good pitching. You know, you could look in this year. What are they going to do? Maybe they're going to limp in. Maybe they're the team that goes out and get Joe Musgrove. You know, hey, we just gave a haul for Clevenger. It didn't work out. Yeah, he'll be back next year. He's still under contract 2021. Maybe we'll go and get a Musgrove who will give us quality innings. You know, he's not the frontline guy that Clevenger is, but he'll give us good quality innings. We can have some pitching depth. Uh, tighten up a little bit. We're not going to invest too much, you know, in, in giving up prospect capital to gain too many, you know, guys. And, and here we go. Well, then, didn't seem that was the case. Uh, a couple of days ago, it was, you know, rumored that the Padres and the Cubs are in deep discussions on you, Darvish. Now, that kind of made sense. You know, hey, let's let's talk a little about, you know, the pitching uh, ability that's out there. You know, we know that... Let's think about it. So Trevor Bauer's out of the free market, free market, free agency market, right? Arguably the best pitcher available in free agency. When you look at the trade market, there was Lance Lynn. There's the potential U Darvish. We know the Cubs are trying to shed, shed salary. So there's you know, the U Darvish, Lance Lynn, Blake Snell, potentially. I mean, the Rays came out and said they're looking to trade them. That could be a lot of smoke. They're looking to trade Chris Archer for about four years until the Pirates fell for it. Um, so Blake Snell was out there, but you know, we didn't really know if he was truly going to be traded. So the Cubs saying that, or sorry, the Padres saying that they're in discussions with the Cubs about you Darvish kind of made sense. That's a frontline pitcher. You know, let's, let's talk about you Darvish. I mean, he came off last season, albeit I know it was a shortened season, but in his 2020, he pitched 76 innings at a 201 ERA. Three war in this shortened 60 game season. I mean, you're basically looking, this is almost like a nine-war pitcher when you blow it up over time. Again, I know it's short. But when you look at his numbers, they were fantastic. I mean, he's always been a strikeout artist. you know. But he struck out 31.3%. But his walk rate decreased down to 4.7. You know, he's striking out 11 per nine, walking 1.66 per nine. 201 ERA to go with a 2.23 FIP. I mean, the, the peripherals were there along with the actual numbers themselves right guy was a very very good pitcher so the Padres going to get you Darvish makes a ton of sense he's a frontline starter he's a little bit older he's 34 he's got a pretty solid contract I think it's what, 59 million dollars remaining on his three-year deal so close to 20 million a year are the Padres going to really you know invest and spend that much money especially after this year I mean the Cubs are crying poor so how could the Padres not be poor right <clears throat> So that made sense. But out of nowhere, the Padres go and they trade for Blake Snell. Now, Blake Snell makes way more sense than Darvish. Why is that? He's bonafide. I mean, there's, there's some question marks. I mean, you Darvish hasn't had the best seasons in the past. 18, 495 ERA. 2019, a 3.98 ERA. I mean, that's still good. Still almost three-war pitcher in 2019. Or, yeah, 2019 as well. <clears throat> so... Blake Snell, I, I think, is, is more proven. He's younger. He's cheaper. He's also controllable for three years, albeit a much cheaper rate. Again, he's younger. He's got health on his side. Also coming off of really good seasons. You know, if I were to take my choice, I'm picking Snell over you, Darvish, right? I mean, that's the guy I'm going to get. So I'm thinking, okay, great. They trade for Blake Snell, which was an awesome trade. 
I mean, if I'm going to look at that trade in a vacuum, the Rays got Patino. Really, really good prospect. Again, as I talked, I think he was right the 23rd rated pitcher. Very good prospect. They get Francisco Mejia, a catcher. Shout out to the Pirates writers. A catcher. Um, was a former top prospect. I think he was like in the number 20 range when the Indians traded him to the Padres just a year ago. Blake Hunt, Cole Wilcox. Um, when you look at this, Patino, great pitcher. And a lot of stuff around it. You know, he was the headline. Very good pitcher, a lot of stuff around it. Now, Blake Hunt apparently is getting a lot of love. Some people are saying that he might crack some top 100 lists this upcoming year. You know, at the time, he wasn't in the top 10 at all. No other pitcher, uh, no other player in this was in the top 10 opposed to Patino, who was their number three. So it's like in a vacuum, the Rays made out. They got a lot of stuff in return, some quality and quantity. The Padres get Blake Snell, which you slide, he takes over that Clevenger spot. They're back to where they were last year. They're ready to go. And I thought that was it. I thought, okay, well, here we go. The, the, the Rays gave them the better package. They, they've got Blake Snell, who would rather have. The Darvish talks are probably off. You know, they didn't like what the Cubs were wanting. Caught it off. Went and got Snell. Game over. Game over, right? Well, no, apparently that wasn't it. Apparently the Padres were still in talk. They didn't want just one or the other. They went out and got both. As I just talked about, when you look at the pitchers that were available this offseason, Bucko Mike sends, says his brother Blake. Um, when you look at the pitchers available this season, it was in free agency, right? Trevor Bauer, who you can argue too. Was there more cheating involved to get those numbers last year than there was actual natural talent? Is he going to do what he did last year over a full season and over the length of this contract he's going to sign? So there's question marks with him. There was Lance Lynn, who was already traded. And then there's Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell. The Padres went out and got two of the four arguably best pitchers available. You can argue any four of them to be the best pitcher available. They got two out of four. And when the Hugh Darvish trade came out, the Padres didn't give up one of their top ten prospects. So we talked about Patino. He was in the Snell. He was number three, gone. Blake Snell, very good pitcher. Of course you're going to get something in return. But it was, it was just Patino. Like, and the thing is, it wasn't, even, it wasn't Gore. It was Patino. Both very good. But I'm taking Gore, obviously, over Patino. They were able to keep Gore in a trade for Blake Snell. To me, that was a win. They're very, very deep in prospects. They gave up Patino and others. So nine of the remaining 10 top prospects in that deal were still there. And then they went and got you Darvish. And they didn't give up one other top 10 prospect. They gave up Zach Davies, who has a year of control left. Who's also Zach Davies. Not you Darvish. Zach Davies. They gave, you, they gave up Zach Davies and then four other prospects who are all 20 or younger. They were rated like the 18, 13, 15, and 16 prospect in the in the Padres system, which I'll be at, like in in the Cubs system, they're probably gonna rank five, six, seven, eight, right? 
Um, but regardless, I mean, that's a deep farm system. But still, they were able to get those two guys and only give up Patino. Yeah, as Buckle Mike points out, Campusano was kept. And that, that was the whole thought. That was the rumors to begin with, that Campusano, who also is a top 10 prospect, would be set in that trade. You know, a catcher. They kept him. Like, this is such a win for the Padres. You want to talk about such a successful rebuild. They stockpiled. They got really good talent. They built that farm. Now, albeit, they're a gifted friend, Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, that deal was just horrendous. But regardless, it happened. You know, these other guys are talking about, they, they stocked up the farm. They're ready to go last year. They spent money. They got Machado. The Hosmer deal, I still scratch my head, but if the Hosmer deal is what led to the Machados and everyone else, then, then so be it. It is what it is. That's going to be off the books next year anyways. So they spent money in places they needed it, and now they're spending their prospects on places they need it, which is pitching. But they still have, like, listen to this. Like This is what I'm getting at. The Padres still have Mackenzie Gore. They still have C.J. Abrams. They still have Campusano, as Bucko Muck pointed out, which is a catcher, which they have Nola, who they also, like, like we talked about there was only one top 10 prospect last year. Let's, this year, let's go back to last year in 2020, right, five months ago, when they sent Trammell and they got Austin Nola, you know, albeit an old catcher, but a catcher who also was very, very good with the bat in a lineup that's already very productive. And they got Clevenger. They've given up, like, in these five months, they've gotten Mike Clevenger, Aaron Nola, Hugh Darvish, and Blake Snell. And they've given up, for all four of those, just three of their top ten prospects. Three. Four well above quality players. Three top ten prospects. When you look at their farm right now, you can look at their farm system and say, this is a farm of a rebuilding team. You could right now rival, right, like the Pirates farm system, which I know a lot of people give a lot of hate for. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's actually good. Right now it's good. It's going to get better. But it's good. It's not, it's not great. Like, this is great. The race system was great. It's good. You could look at the Padres farm system right now and say it rivals the Pirates. The Pirates and rebuild. The Padres are looking to be maybe one of the, the top three baseball teams right now in baseball. And they still have this farm system to them. They still have Mackenzie Gore. They still have C.J. Abrams and Camp Usano. What a win. And, then of course, like, they still have depth. Like, I thought when the Darvish deal was going down, Ron Weathers had to be gone. Right? Like, they're, they, he slides into the number six prospect right now. He, he made his debut, per se, last year as well. Um, they just need, like, an inning out of him or something. But, you know, Ryan Weathers, eh. You know, he's, he's, he could be good. He's younger-ish. Wasn't even him. I'm, I'm baffled. A.J. Preller, such a win. But let's transition this over to those Chicago Cubs. You know, no, let's go back to the Rays. So, yes, we're talking about the, uh, the Rays. And, you know, I said, in a vacuum, that trade was good. I mean, the Rays got a lot of stuff. Good. They got quality and quantity. Out of that for Blake Snell, who was there for three years. But weren't the Rays just in the World Series? 
wasn't the team that just lost to I mean, I'll be the Dodgers. You can't you can't lose to the Dodgers and not just hand it to them. You know, they're a very, very good team. They they should be. Their payroll is ridiculous. They're smart. You know, hand it to the Dodgers, they won. Re-up, try again next year to the mentality. You know, you shouldn't feel as if this is a complete failure. We gotta we gotta blow this thing up and retool. It's the Dodgers. Credit where credit's due. But you're the Rays. You had a very good team also. Charlie Morton's option, $15 million, right? They let it go. What happens? Basically signs for $15 million to the Braves. Or the Braves. Yeah, I understand it's the Rays. They're a small market team. They're not going to be able to spend what the Dodgers and the Yankees spend. I get that, right? If you're listening, it's probably because you're a Pirates fan. I get that. We get that. But they let him go. Now they trade Blake Snell, arguably their best pitcher. This is the team who, and, and, and my troll's coming out right now. The, the old NS9 ways are starting to creep back into me. This is a team who was on pace for 108 wins, and they dismantled it. Those all sound quite familiar, right? Oh, the 98 team. This team won 98 games, and they dismantled it. No, this team here, this is the dismantle. The 98 team went into 2016 with essentially the same, same players. What happened was Andrew McCutcheon didn't play well at all. Pedro Alvarez became a bum. <laughs> a lot of players underperformed, but they went into the next year with that same core. You can add and say that they didn't effectively build upon it, but the biggest problem was the players that they already had, the core, the Blake Snells, the Charlie Morins, the players that they already had on the club underperformed greatly, which led to the demise of 2016. The 2021 Rays are dismantling a 108 project, you know, 108 paced win team. They're not going into 2021 and having Blake Snell underperform. And then saying, let's go and trade him. They're trading him at the top of his game with three years left. A very, very friendly contract. This is a dismantle. For all the people that want to clamor that, well, the Pirates should be like the Rays. Okay. Okay. We're dismantling a team that went to the World Series. This club was in the World Series. And they traded Blake Snell. Had the Pirates went to the World Series in 2015 and lost, and then they traded Kutch in 2016. Again, I know before before his downfall, he had his peak. If if the Pirates, which they were good enough to go in that World Series in 2015, those 98 wins showed it. They were a very very good team. Unfortunately, the Cardinals were better, but in 2015, the Pirates were very very good. If they went to the World Series that year, and two months later. They traded Andrew McCutcheon. You're telling me that's not worse than what they did when they went in 2016 with the same team and then in 17 they went with Kutch again and then traded him because he wasn't that good? This is what the Rays did. You want the Pirates to be like the Rays? Here you go. They went to the World Series and they're dismantling the World Series team. Is this good for baseball? No. Is this how the Rays operate? It is. Am I, am I discrediting the Rays so much of what they're doing here is 
like if it doesn't work, if if it works, if it works, I guess it's good, right, for the team. The Rays, in most cases, have found that it works for them. This is their MO. This is what they stick to. Just like what they stuck to all last year, which got them to, you know, the playoffs and the World Series and make them that good. They stuck with it. Taking Blake Snell out in the sixth inning last year was their MO. They stuck with it. They're, they're stuck in their ways. Albeit their ways are more creative and outside the box than most people. They're stuck in those ways. This is their way. They've proven that in most cases it works. If this works, and in, you know, in two years they're, they're back in the World Series again, I mean, I guess kudos to them. This is the way of being a small market and staying competitive. I guess, you know, more lengthy in a sense. Maybe they don't have their competitive ways as drawn out and as long. But they don't have their lows as drawn out and low. You know, like the, the Rays don't find themselves in a five-year rebuild. <laughs> you know, you don't see the Rays like the Kansas City Royals. They're not good as long as them, but they're also not as bad as long as them. And this is the way of doing it. And again, if, if it works, I guess it works. But I, as a fan of the team, I guess you can understand it. Like there's not – you joke about the Pirates, but there's not a per- person in, in, in Tampa who I feel can buy a jersey of anyone. I don't think they, they trust their team – it's, you know, that player's going to be there for a year, let alone three, four, or five. So, this is your 108-paced win Rays team dismantling the World Series caliber team. Let's go on to the Cubs. So, the Cubs go ahead and trade, as mentioned, Chris, I'm sorry, Chris Darvish, you Darvish, to the Padres. <sighs> That trade, if, if call it what it is, salary dump. Just a complete salary dump. They've been crying poor. The Ricketts have been crying poor. There is a t-shirt. If you're just listening to this on the podcast, I do have the, uh, <laughs> the, the NS9 broke t-shirt up for the Cubs. The Ricketts are calling themselves broke. They're broke. They have no money. Going to get rid of Chris Bryant. They just got rid of you, Darvish. That did that trade look familiar for all the people that want to hate Neil Huntington, hate the Pirates? If you wanted to hate the Josh Bell trade, if you wanted to hate the Josh Bell trade, how do you not look at this and say this was you, Darvish? This wasn't Josh Bell. This was you, Darvish. And they didn't get any top 10 prospects from the Padres. All very, very young guys, albeit there's some upside there, right? It's guys who, once they progress, once they age, I mean, one was just drafted last year. He hasn't even seen pro ball yet, which could be a, a pro or a negative, obviously. But, like, there was no minor league system, no minor league season last year. So some guys could go into this year, start creeping up some lists. And, and albeit, like, you could find those guys becoming quality. But that's what it is. It's nothing but risky, high ceiling, low floor type guys. There's a chance on them. You traded you Darvish. You traded a guy who was arguably in the Cy Young talk last year. And you didn't get a top 10 prospect, not in baseball, in the baseball team's system. 11, 13, 15, 16 from the Padres. 
You got Zach Davies, who's essentially a rental. He's one year. So I guess you're probably looking for him to give you some innings this year. So that's going to be a lot of teams' issues is finding innings this year. So you're looking to give you innings and probably flip them at the trade deadline. You're the Chicago Cubs. This is the NL Central. What team in the NL Central are you fearing? Is it the Pirates? It ain't the Pirates. Is it the Reds? It ain't the Reds. They're also trying to shed salary and trade off. I don't actually really know what they're really trying to do. It seems like they're trying to get rid of everybody, but they want to get a shortstop too. I don't know. But I'm not fearing them. Are you fearing the Brewers? Not really. There's a bounce back from Yelich probably. But they're potentially trading Hater. I mean, no team was good last year, and no team has gotten better. If any, every team has progressively gotten much worse. You're the Chicago Cubs. Still got you, Darvish. Still got Chris Bryant. The Chicago Cubs, you're printing money. And instead, you're crying broke and giving up quality pitching for quantity players. I just say this and bring this up because it's such a echo chamber of pirates, 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 pirates this, pirates of that, pirates of this, pirates here, pirates of this, pirates that, pirates, 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 pirates. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing's wallet, nothing's wallet. This is baseball. This is baseball. Sure, the pirates are bigger players in the issues. I get that. But this is why we point out so many times there's so much hate for nothing in his ways. When he's just part of the problem. The problem is baseball. Baseball. MLB owners in baseball. They all are the problem. You tell me the Chicago Cubs that if winning was the object and not money, what are they doing? They're not the better team in the NL Central right now. They're not giving up on a a team that could fight for the division right now because of money. Money is the object right now to them. Money is the object for everybody. Winning is secondary. Just proving it further. This is the Chicago Cubs we're talking about. This is the NL Central, which is terrible. It was terrible last year, and it got tremendously worse this year. Chicago Cubs gave in and aren't going to go for it because their car ain't broke. Because, you see, the Chicago Cubs, big market team. There's only three cities in, in, in the United States that has two major league teams. New York, Chicago, and L.A. And why do you think that is? Because they're huge markets. They make a lot of money. And what the Cubs have been doing is they've been going around and building up and taking all the property around them Wrigleyville and all this. They're investing all this money into all these properties and businesses around them. And it's not just a baseball club anymore. It's a whole real estate venture. And what they're doing is they're using that to cry poor. They have debt. Let me explain what their debt is. To make things easy, you make $100,000 a year, right? You're pretty comfortable. You can buy pretty much a lot of things that you want to do, right? You want those pair of Jordans? Go buy them. You want that new TV? Go buy it, right? You're living good. You can afford things. You can get things. You can spend money. But you go buy a house, $300,000, right? That's a $300,000 debt three times what you make. It's a debt now. 
The Cubs are buying property. They're buying investments. They want to use that and say, well, they're in debt. They bought a billion dollars around them to invest in. Now they've gained a billion dollar debt. They're crying poor and saying, we're in debt a billion dollars. They want to spin that and say they, they've lost a billion dollars this year because of the pandemic. No, what's happening is they're not making $100,000 anymore. They're making $50,000 now, right? It's a little bit harder. It's, 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 it's rough. I get it. It's tough times. Tough times for everybody. But you know what? You also got plenty of money sitting in the bank. So I can still afford to pay the payments on my mortgage. I can still afford to pay my car note. I can still afford to pay all this stuff. I'm just not having all this money and having the luxuries I used once to have. So what I'm going to do now is, is talk and say, well, I have all this debt. I can pay my credit card bills, but I got $10,000 in credit card debt. I can pay my mortgage, but I got $300,000 in, in mortgage debt. Right, My car, $30,000. I'm $350,000 in debt. And I'm only making $50,000 a year. I'm broke. That's what the Cubs are doing. They can afford all these payments, but now they don't have the luxuries. And they want to use those debts to make them look like we've lost $350,000 this year. That's what baseball is doing to you. That's what literally every owner is doing for you right now. That's what the Cubs are doing. They're not prioritizing winning right now. They're prioritizing money. And I want to end this once again. Because I feel like I talk about this over and over and over again. Not often, but definitely bring it up. Everyone wants to cry and, and talk about how cheap the Pirates are. I'm going to bring it up once again. Let's talk Yankees. The Pirates are cheap. They don't spend money. They just look at profits. They just want profits. They just want profits. They don't prioritize winning. They just want profits. Let's go back to 2005. The 2005 New York Yankees. Do you know what the payroll was? The payroll was $207,000. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, no. The, it was $207 million. So <laughs> the 2005 Yankees had a payroll of $205 million. I know that these numbers don't truly mean much because we don't, unless they open the books, we're not going to know, right? We're not going to know the true revenue, the true everything, unless the teams open up the books, which they don't, they won't. And it is what it is. But I guess this is the numbers that everyone gets to use for the Pirates, right? And this isn't Anthony's being, you know, Denaro's being a front office apologist talk again. This is, this is the problem with baseball. This is literally every owner, okay? 2005, the Yankees spent $207 million on their payroll. What Forbes projects, right? Forbes says their revenue that year was $277 million. And we're also going to throw another fake number out there because these are fake numbers. The value of the Yankees back then. And the reason I put this on here, if you're looking at the stream, it's, the graphic is up. If not, I'm telling you the numbers, okay? It's a fake number. An evaluation is a fake number because it doesn't mean anything unless it's, it's, it's used and sold and that's what you get for it. But they're valued at that point in time of $850 million. So the revenue is two seventy seven, dollars supposedly. Their payroll is $207 million. 2005, 15 years ago. 
where has the Yankees payroll gone in 15 years? Their peak was 216 at $243 million. They've basically fluctuated from $207 million to about $240 every single year for 15 years. Are you telling... I'm, I'm sorry, I just have to bring this up. But are you telling me the Yankees can't spend more than what they do? When their revenue was $277 million in 2005, and I'm going to say it again, okay, great, we can't prove that. But are you also telling me that in 15 years, the way baseball has exploded, that they're not making way more money in 2000, and I'll say 19. We'll stop it at 19 because 2020 is a weird year. I'm not going to use those numbers. People lost money. We don't Numbers aren't even out yet. The year's not over per se, you're right. So I'm going to stop it at 19. From 2015 to 2019, are you telling me that baseball hasn't exploded? Are you telling me that the Yankees aren't making way more money right now than they were in 2005? So what these numbers are saying, albeit they're not the most accurate, we can't prove it. But these numbers are saying in 2005, the Yankees' revenue was $277 million. 2010, $427 million. 2015, $516 million. And in 2019, their revenue was $683 million. So when their payroll went from 207 to at its peak, 243 it increased by 15%. The revenues went from 277 to 683. Do the math. Let's think. Don't even need a calculator. Just make it easy. Easily more than double. They've more than doubled the revenue, right? Would that make sense if, if without knowing their financial situation, just knowing baseball, does that make sense? Yeah. We see the numbers that baseball is producing every year, right? Every year, record-breaking numbers, record-breaking numbers. Are you telling me baseball is not bringing in probably more than double the money they were in 2005? Yeah. Yeah. So the Yankees aren't? Yeah. So you're telling me that if in 2005 they could afford – the Steinbrenners and the Yankees could afford a $200 million payroll in 2005. Are you telling me they can't also afford a $300 million payroll in 2020? I get the luxury tax. I get it. But also, if you want to talk about winning, always being the priority over money, and also dollars per win, what's holding the Yankees back from winning a World Series more often. They've won one in 2009. Nothing. They, they've won one since 2000, which was in 2009. You're a Yankees fan. Why are we even arguing if, if the Yankees could get Garrett Cole last year? They absolutely can. They also could have got Rendon if they wanted to. They're choosing to spend about this because they don't want to pay the luxury tax. Because they don't want to pay more. They don't want, they have absolutely every ability to. You're telling me the Yankees aren't making hand over fist. You want to talk about nutting in his wallet. Steinbrenner, revenue of $683 million is spending 234. 
when he could apparently afford it in 2005 when he was only also making a revenue of 277. Their evaluation, right? 2005, 850 million. 2010, 1.6. 2015, 3.4 billion. And now they're valued at $5 billion. Again, I get it. It's a fake number until it's actually bought. You can have money from it. It's not like you have $5 billion in the bank, just saying what it's valued. But what I want to say that to that too is if you're so poor, like the Cubs, and you can't afford to run this team and to run this organization, sell it. There's Steve Cohen's out there. They'll buy it. They'll spend money and do it. This is an asset. Can't do it. Sell it, Cubs. There's such a huge economic situation with baseball that every team and every owner is comfortable. This isn't a nutting thing. The Steinbrenners also want to win. I get it. But at their comfortable cost. They want to win up to this soft cap. Because they don't want to give any extra than what they need to in order to win. So they got to be smarter. The Red Sox want to win too. Up to a, a certain cost. As they trade away Mookie. You tell me the Red Sox couldn't afford. Literally afford. If the Red Sox paid for Mookie bets, they would have to sell the team because they couldn't afford it? No. They can't put it under their self-imposed dollar amount. Just like the Yankees. The Dodgers have gone out their way many a times. They've rolled it back in a bit. All these rich teams, all these teams that go for it, and they try, and they spend money, they spend money to what they're comfortable with as well. Just the same way Nunning does, just the same way the Rays do, same way the Royals do. Yes, they may go out of their way a little bit further than what the Pirates and Nunning do. But all of them prioritize this money and these dollars over the end game, which is winning a championship. The Yankees want to win a championship. They could say, F all of you. We're getting Trevor Bauer right now. There's no question asked. Why are we even debating if we should get Trevor Bauer? What do you want? We're the goddamn Yankees. What do you want? Let's go to a World Series. We got Garrett Cole. We got Severino coming back from Tommy John. What do you want, Trevor Bauer? Let's do it. This is everybody in baseball. Literally. And you're not seeing it. This year has exposed so many owners and so many issues with baseball. You're seeing it now, I think. Finally. So that wraps up this, this show. Um, I feel like you still want to talk about the Padres, though. And I don't want to go too, too, too deep in it because I know someone else who really wants to talk about the Padres. And he'll be on the show tomorrow. So Jim and I will be back for Starbucks tomorrow, 7 a.m. Uh, we'll definitely be talking Padres because I know he wants to. It's our beloved little team here now, uh, opposite the Pirates. Uh, they're fun, though, right? Uh, but not only that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Josh Bell trade. And um, 
maybe a Joe Musgrove trade. If not, we'll probably talk about Joe Musgrove and some things, uh, some rumors with him since he's apparently being looked at by a lot of clubs now. So with that being said, I'm Anthony DiNardo. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Bye-bye.